So since uh, March of this past year, Felipe has faithfully been at his post all of that time. And I've been trying to encourage him for a while now. Come on, Felipe, take a little time. And every week, he gives me the same answer in our staff meeting. No, we've been building so much good stuff, and I want to keep momentum going. So finally, 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 we convinced him that it is very good for him to take a rest. So he is not here today simply because he needs to rest, just like the rest of us do. And it's a, it's a gift to have Felipe among us. So he's totally fine. Yeah, let's think. Felipe, if you're watching, they're clapping. I'm not sure you can hear them. Um, happy 4th of July once again to all of you. I'm so, so glad that we can be gathered here today. We're going to be doing a special prayer time in the middle of our service together. We'll sing God Bless America, and it'll be a nice moment for us to, to reflect on what it means to be here in, in, in Americans uh, living in this country. And uh, right now we're going to be... So there, there was a story I was reading a couple weeks back, and as I was reading it, uh, I realized this would be... This would be a perfect um, way for us to open scripture today. Thank you. I need that. I need that in my hand. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Chris, now I'm going to be in trouble. Um, as, as I was reading this, um, the story of Joshua, and Joshua uh, it was the successor to Moses. Everybody knows Moses. He was this very famous leader of Israel, and he went to Egypt, and he pulled the people out of Egypt with miracles and signs, and, and he leads them now to almost be taking what, what God had called the promised land. But Moses didn't get to go all the way to the promised land. Moses uh, gets to see it from a distance, and then he hands the reins over to who? To Joshua. And so today what we're going to be looking at is this um, this moment, finally, this moment, after so many years of wandering through the desert because of not wanting to follow the Lord, they get to be on their own and, and maze their way for 40 years. Many people don't get to see the promised land, but Joshua now finally is on the, the threshold of the promised land. They've just crossed a river, and as I was thinking about the 4th of July and Joshua crossing a river, it made me think about someone who's also crossed the river, George Washington. Uh, when I was back in seminary, I did a field ed internship at a church that was just on the other side of the Delaware River from Princeton, and I would cross a bridge in the exact place where George Washington had crossed the Delaware uh, that one very cold night, and, and he had to do so with ice in the water. What Do you know what the recorded temperature was that night when he crossed the Delaware? No, it was like 30, 30 degrees. About how old was George Washington when he crossed that Delaware. Too old? <laughs> Too old to be doing it? No, he's, a, he's like early 40s. Yeah, early 40s. So a rel relatively young uh, George Washington leading his, leading his troops to do a very strategic surprise attack on British troops that were being uh, stationed in Trenton. And so he does this daring, bold act that the, the troops in Trenton would never expect him to try and cross in, through this, this icy cold river. And I want you to imagine right now, George Washington having just led his troops. There, I have the famous painting. Is this, is this my um, sermon, Gia? I need to turn this on so I can manipulate it. Perfect. Um, 
So I want you to have, we'll get this in a second. I want you to have this image in your mind for a second. The famous painting of, of George Washington crossing the Delaware. And imagine that in that boat, all that tension, you know, on the eve of battle, that stress and that tension within, within the men crossing that boat. And they get to the other side of the river and they're, they're getting out of the boat and they're stationing themselves, they're getting ready. They, they have, they've brought heavy, heavy um, artillery. They have all these things they have to get ready and organized. And as they're about to start off into battle, as the time is just about to be there, George Washington walks a little bit of, away from, from his troops and he encounters somebody. And I want you to think, what would George Washington think as he saw that person? He didn't recognize him. What would, what would be your thoughts? What would be in your head if you were about to lead this, this battle and you see someone in a distance that you don't recognize? What would be one of your initial thoughts? Uh-huh. Okay. Let's, let's do this now. So Joshua is in a similar position as George Washington. Oh, no. Can you go back to the front for me, Gia? So George and Joshua are in a very similar position. Now, Joshua had not just crossed the Delaware, but what river had he just crossed? Go back, can, can you go back to the very beginning of the slideshow? Is he back there? He's outside? Thank you, Ramsey or Beach. Jump into action, I love it. My troops. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Joshua had just crossed the Jordan. And he didn't cross a frozen river, but it was still pretty bold because how did they do it? They took the ark of God and put it into the river, and the river waters stopped, just like Moses crossing the sea. And it says that Israel, about 40,000 40, of them, crossed through uh, a dry riverbed. Until they got to their side, the ark came out, and the the floodwaters came back into the Jordan. So he also has just crossed a river. And now, this is where you find him. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Again, that's the obvious question. Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army, the Lord, I now have come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Let's pray. Lord, our ask is that you would give us once again um, your illuminating Holy Spirit, that you would help us to understand as you speak what it is uh, that you have created us to be, who you are, and to what you have called us. Lord, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Joshua gets across that river on the threshold of battle with all that stress, with all that tension. He now uh, being, being deputized as this, as this leader of, of Israel entering into the promised land, and then he sees this figure off in the distance. A provocative figure, one with the sword 
out of the, the out of its place, its sheath. It's out. It's the sword's out in this position of uh, ferocity, uh, even danger or threatening. Joshua looks up and sees this person, and just like we imagine George Washington doing, thinks, I, I better see who this person is, especially if they're the enemy. They can go and, and rat us out. They can go and tell, tell them what, what's happening and, and that we're here and we're about to come. He comes up and the question, are you with us or against us? Are you with us or are you against us? What is the answer that Joshua receives? Nope. Nope. Is it, hey, are you A or B? Nope. C, none of the above. Remember those tests? C, none of the above. I'm not with you, and I'm not with them. And then something incredible happens. This man, as it says in the scripture, suddenly takes on the character of what you would think is divine. And in fact, when Joshua bows down to worship, does this person say, no, 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 don't worship me? No. The worship is accepted, which can only mean that this is actually, in, in technical language and theological language, we call this a theophany. Shana, you'll learn that word. Theophany. Say it with me. Theophany. Great, great. A, A today, Shana. Theophany. It means, it means an appearance of the Lord. An epiphany, theophany, theo being God. And do you notice something about what this person says to Joshua in the end that connects it to Moses? Take off your shoes. When did we hear that before? The burning bush. We've all seen a picture at some point in our life of Moses and the burning bush. And one of the things that we hear this this presence of God saying to Moses is take off your sandals because the place you're standing is holy. Once again, once again this happens. Now, usually when we think of the Lord God and particularly of maybe the second person of the Trinity here as a man in some form, we think of, we think of peace and olive branches, right? But this time, well, and this time, as God is standing there with, with Joshua, it's a little complicated for him because where does Joshua expect the presence of God to be? In the ark, right? So all of this time traveling in the desert, they've been carrying around a large box. I have a picture that kind of resembles what this large box would be like. Okay? They've been carrying this large box around all through the desert. To make matters worse, God instructed that it be covered with gold plating. Okay? So imagine being told you have to walk around the desert for 40 years, and by the way, I'm going to give you an incredibly heavy, large box that you have to carry with you everywhere. That's, what, that's what's been going on. But they were willing to do this. Why? Because what was in this box, or what did this box represent? What was this? What was the top and the seraphim? What did this represent? God's presence. This is where God's presence was located, a specific place. So as they're going through the desert, they knew that God was with them. Or when they crossed the Jordan, what did God tell to put into the water? The ark. And when the ark touches the water, when the priests carry it down, it's the power of God. It's the presence of God with them. So let's forgive Joshua for not going up to this person expecting to be encountered by God because Joshua knew all along 
past 40 years of his life, God is in the box. You're laughing, but what do we do? We keep God in a box. What are the boxes where we keep God? This would be one right here, right? Worship on Sundays. We come here for an hour and a half-ish, sometimes less. We come, and we, we open that box a little bit, let God come out. <laughs> we worship. And then when we're leaving, we kind of put that box back down, put it in the corner, and go about our day. What's another box that we have? Yeah, when we get in, we open up Scripture. It's like we're opening up the box in your homes. You can open up Scripture. Maybe you have a routine in your life of reading Scripture certain times. Whenever you do it, it's like, it's like once again, you're opening up the top of that box and you're letting that presence be with you. Any other times you can think of when we, when we put God in a box? Prayer? Yeah, prayer is a time when we kind of go to the box and open it. The problem with this is that while we may in our imaginations imagine God stays in those boxes, God never stays in the box. God is always out and among us. It's one of the promises of Jesus. And behold, I will be with you always. Till the end of the age is what you were remembering. Also true. Yes. I'm with you always. So really, if, if we try and keep God in the box, we're really just deceiving ourselves. That actually is not what's happening. The presence of the Lord is always with us in each and every moment of our day and night. The Lord is with us. So, Patty, you made me laugh when you said it, but no boxing up God. We can't do it. We can't. I mean, you, you, can, you can't even do it if you tried because the Lord comes out of that box. Joshua walks up to this person when he expects the Lord God to be in one place, and what does he encounter? He encounters the truth that the Lord God is with him in all times. We can't also put God in a box and pretend like what Jesus has to say to us or to instruct us about how we're supposed to live stays in that box. Joshua has the idea that this person either needs to be an enemy or needs to be a friend. And he has this clearly delineated idea of how his world should run. He has also the idea or theology or doctrine or what's the right way to understand God in our lives. Also, he has that in a box. He walks up to Jesus, he walks up to God, and he says, are you with us or are you against us? And the answer, as we've discussed, was neither. Whose team is God on? God's team. God is on God's team, always and forever. My favorite Abraham Lincoln quotes, he's with one of his officials, and the official says to him, Mr. President, isn't it wonderful that we know that us, this continental army, that... that that God is on our side. And what's his famous response? We hope, rather, that we are on God's side. It's not about us claiming God to be on our side. It's about recognizing that God's on his own team, but we also, we also, the reason why we pray for our country is because we, we don't want to, want, want to pretend that God is just the God of America, but that America would be on God's team. You see the, the subtle difference? God is always on God's team. And at best, our prayers need to be, Lord, help us be on that team too. 
Show us the way forward. Show us how we can move in that direction. And for each of our complicated, messy lives, this is gospel good news that God does not stay in that box. For all of the joys, for all of the hopes, dreams, and desires that we have, this is good news that God doesn't allow us to just keep all that great truth in a box, but rather comes to us and is constantly instructing, guiding, showing us the way forward. The Spirit is constantly with us. If we're not yet believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that presence is always with us, still pushing us to accept this and to see the truth in it. Once we come to the Lord and we, we begin that place of confessing and commission, then that presence is still with us in influencing our decisions, helping us see what's right and wrong pushing us into service of other people. It's gospel good news that God does not allow us to box him up, but rather has chosen to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. And this one who is with us, so often we picture Jesus as, as Revelation would, as this slain lamb, as almost an impotent power in our world, well, this day when Joshua encounters the Lord, uh, I'm imagining he saw something that was more similar to this. Right? This is, who, this is who Joshua sees up on that ridge. This man with the sword out looking like he's ready to go. Looking like he's ready to go. In, in our lives, in our lives, the power of God is enough for any situation. In our lives, the power of God is enough in any situation. Now, there are times when God's, when God's good for us, when God's good for us is not what we are imagining it would be. In fact, there are times when we think it would be a great idea if we went this way, and we pray, Lord, by your power, help us go in that direction. And instead, he shows up, like he does to Joshua. He says, nope, it's not A or B. I have C. I have a different, completely different direction here. Come be on my team. Join my team. But as he says that, as, as we're invited to, to be with the Lord in that, we, we're with the one, we're with the one who holds all power in heaven and on earth. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, are Jesus' words to us. No matter what we're facing in our lives, I know we do this. I do it all the time. We come to the Lord asking for help in the situation I'm in. It's like we, we go over, we let God out of the box just a little bit just to help me with this situation. But as soon as we're willing to acknowledge that the Lord is present, we can be flooded with the, the sovereignty, with the providence, with the good news that God is for us, with us and for us. He's saying in everything, I got you. I got this not only with my olive branch, but with my sword. I got this. I am a God of justice and righteousness in each and every way in our lives. As God challenges us, I did want to bring up one last element of what it means to be entering the scripture. As Joshua goes and looks upon this figure and says, are you with us and against us? What is God's response? Neither, right? I'm on my own side. And I think so often we, we couch our lives in this us versus them mentality. 
us versus them mentality. We think of Emmanuel, we think more of God with me than God with us, right? And when we think of us also, and this is good for us on 4th of July, often we in this country like to put two little dots right there where it says UNS. We like to think of this as U.S. versus them, God with U.S., right? Is that what we like to think? Okay, okay, but when God says that he's with us, he's, he's actually talking about God with humanity, okay? So when he says us versus them, he's saying God with, with humanity. And our call as always as Christians in, in any country we're in, but today we're 4th of July, we're, we're thinking about our our, our citizenship and, and, and this place, we have to remember that God is out of that box, and he's, he's asking us to expand, not change. I don't think it's change. God is with you, and God is with us, but to then continue to let that go, continue to expand, continue to let God out of that box so that God with me includes God with humanity. God's care and provision for us in this country is the exact same care and provision God has for any other person in any other country in, in throughout time. Amen? And this, is, this can be a challenge at times to our, our desire to always protect what's ours and to create the us versus them mentality. But God's love and God's desire to be for us is the exact same love and desire that God has to be for them. This is gospel good news. Because only when Jesus comes again and all of the swords are turned into plowshares and all of the enmity that exists in the world is is thrown to the side and peace and justice reign and everybody is on God's team, then we will know complete peace. Then we will know what it's like to live in a world that we so desire for our children and our children's children. So let's not keep God in the box anymore. Let's let God out this week. I can say that a lot differently. Let's remember that God is already out there. Let's be okay with that. And that God is always there to, to bring that sword, to, to fight our battles, and also to challenge our understanding. It's not A or B, it's C. And God is with us to lead us in that. Let's pray. Lord God, we're grateful today that, that, we, that we get to have you on our, on our, that we get to be on your team. And that you um, have promised to be our Lord, even with a sword. You have promised to be our Savior from that cross. Lord, I ask that you would continue to, to lead us in our understanding of your presence and to be okay with the ways that, that you would continue to mold and form our imaginations. Thank you, Emmanuel, God with us. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. We come to a table, and this is a, an expression of that God with us. Uh, this is not a table just for this church. Uh, even for our branch of the Christian church. This is a table for all uh, those believers throughout the world and throughout time that have been partaking in this meal together to show that unity, to show that God with, with us. So as we do this today, and particularly on 4th of July,
right? Let's imagine Americans across our country doing this, and then together also, people across the world all doing this together because God is with us. We pray with me? Lord, we, we give you uh, the glory and the honor today for, for being with us, for not remaining to the side and letting us fall into the traps of our delusionment, but you have come and you have opened. You have illuminated our minds and our hearts. I pray that as we uh, partake now in, in the bread and in the cup, that this would be another opportunity for us to be, to be in your presence and to have that presence showing us a way forward, that you are with us, all of us. Lord, it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.